Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the wealth within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcast globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. This episode is a recording of our live YouTube weekly stock market show. Every Tuesday night, Dale and Janine stream live on YouTube from 7 to 8pm to answer your most burning questions, as well as analyse stock for our viewers. To watch the show, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the stock market show under the Learning Centre. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Good evening and welcome to the Australian Stock Market Show. We've got another big show planned for you tonight and thanks very much for being a part of this one. Can you believe we are just two and a half weeks away from 2021? Have I counted right there? Um, this means you all need to be setting your goals for the coming year and beyond. Sounds like I'm giving you a bit of a talking to, doesn't it? Well, you're right. I am. You have taken time out to watch this show. We know you genuinely want to do well. So from now and before the fireworks on New Year's Eve, remember, take 30 minutes out of your week. Get really clear about your why. This is what you want for your future and those you love. This is for next year and the years ahead and then document that vision. Write the steps that you think that you need to take to get what you desire most, so to get that vision. And if you don't know, just ask for help. We're always here to assist you. Okay, that concludes my little pep talk with you for 2020. Tonight, we'll answer your most burning questions. This is investing and trading questions. We've got a great list of stocks again to explore with you. And of course, we've got another interesting topic. That is top 10 trading tips and strategies to profit that work. Hello, I'm Janine Cox and joining me tonight is Dale Gillam and we're Australia's most trusted stock market educators. Geez, with that long introduction, I didn't think you actually needed me. Remember I said at the start of the show, you're not allowed to criticise one oh, thing? Oh, okay. no, I was just saying I was going to retire. Mm -hmm. Okay, yes. Yep, mum's the word. Now look, before yeah. you open your mouth again, I just want what to um, stuff something in it. No, I'm only joking. You um, stuff something in the mouth. <laughs> um, there's a little box here. Now, there's something inside it. I think is you it should have a look. Is it going to pop out at me? Or it might. It's gonna, does it have a gun in it Do there? you want to just put your hand in it? It might bite. Oh, what is it? It's a Santa suit. I bought it online. It should fit you perfectly. A Santa suit that's going to fit me perfectly. Oh, look how small it is, Jim. I'm sure I could fit my finger in the hat. Can you put it on maybe one arm? I think maybe I could fit it in. Is it a, is it a glove? Part? I, I've got a present for you too. I've got I've got a present for you too. I've got you a candy cane. Oh, that's awesome. But I wouldn't Just need what it. I need. It's about five years old. Oh. <laughs> Well, it's, but still, I did it's think been it wrapped is. in plastic. Do you want to do the taste test and no, tell me if it tastes no, all right? No, no, it could be dangerous. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm guessing You could it's stir fine. your coffee with it <laughs> and yeah. a bit of sugar. Well, it might stand up in your coffee. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, let's get serious. Anyway, remember, if you do have a burning question for us, you can send an email or upload a 30-second video of yourself to Dropbox and then send us the link. Now, remember to please send all of your questions to info at wealthwithin.com.au. We'll give preference to those who are supporting us, so make sure you hit the subscribe button uh, before you send us your question. Moving on, it is the third Tuesday in the month, and this means that we're looking at world markets, so let's get into the charts now, shall we? What made you get me a candy cane? You, you, oh, you're funny. You're going to be thinking about that all night, aren't you? I am. Candy it's got cane. me intrigued. But you wouldn't wear the Santa suit, so I had to well, buy you one. I can't. But all I can do That's... with this Santa suit is put a bottle of wine in it. That's about all it'll fit, or a stubby. <laughs> so. uh, anyway, keep going. Right. What are we Let's up look to? at the, the world indices. Let's okay. get down to business. So NASDAQ 100 index, right? It's up 41% so far for the year. Um, so we know that that's all being driven by the FANG stocks and the Correct. tech sector, which is about 25% or 23% of the US market. And then we've got India following India's close behind. So well. Wow, won't the Indian um, families be excited about this? 35.7%. 
Now, the bad news is that the, if, you, if your market does really well and outperforms like that one year, then it's not likely to do the same the following year. Mm -hmm. So we can expect these indices to be towards the bottom or at least in the middle of the, the board um, at the end of next year, potentially. That's typically what occurs. Now, the Nikkei is actually 16.8. That's done well. That's done really well, but that's sort of really um, different to what's been happening on some of the other Asian markets, like mm. the Hang Seng, which is way down there. If we point down here, minus 6.58%. So different, isn't it? Yeah, well, you're saying Shanghai comps up 9.8, but your Hang Seng's down 6.5, and mm. it's both Chinese exchanges. So how yeah. does that work? I mean, obviously... The Hang Seng being out of Hong Kong with all the unrest that's happening in Hong Kong. But wow, how is the yeah, Shanghai so, out? So we're, we're looking at, um, mm. you know, the Nikkei is up strongly. The, the New Zealand market's even up 15.4%. That's done Correct. incredibly well. Yeah. So we look at the Australian market at the moment. That it, currently it's up 12 off the off incredible lows, but it'd be really interesting to look at what it was by the middle of the year. Tokyo Topic. Um, 1,000 index 11% up, the CAC 40 up 10.7%. Um, if we come down to the European market, 6.57%. Yeah. This might take off in 2021 and, you know, we're looking at um, the FTSE as well, which is way down. So if we're talking about the European markets, the FTSE may actually do really well next year mm. as well because it's been held back for a long time. And, and same with the DAX. We've seen that just do nothing. It's practically Yeah, the flat. European markets haven't done as well. Mm. And obviously Asia generally hasn't done as well as the US. And this is the thing is a lot of people don't understand that money moves around the world. It just And so what's done well one year may not do well the next year, which mm. is what you were saying before. So where is the opportunities now? You know, yep. the US is going through a period of transition right now. There's a lot of unrest. They've got to get hold of COVID um, and get over that. So, oh, look, I really think the US market will struggle next year. I really okay. do in a lot mm. of different ways, you know, because of you can't just snap your fingers and get out of it over COVID. Now, whilst they're saying, hey, we're going to you know, vaccinate so many million people by March, how do you vaccinate 250, 260 million people? It's just not. In, well, in that would be an succession. incredible process, wouldn't it? It would be an incredible process. Mm. And then, you know, it's then how do you, it's going to take time to get to that point. Now, to me, the US should just stay home and put masks on like we did, mm. you know, but they're not doing that. And that's why that's had such a big spread. But, you know, but then even if you got vaccinate everybody now, then it's going to take time for industry and everything to get back to normal again as yeah. well. So how long is that going to take? International travel is another issue because mm. um, that's, you know, maybe two years tourism. away. Tourism, imagine the impact tourism, tourism. the whole one. Mm. I mean, you know, so there's a whole range of uh, factors. There. And Europe's not much better at the moment. You know, we're seeing mass outbreaks in lots of areas, like obviously like the UK. Mm. So, if, you know, they do need to get that under control. But I think the Asian markets are much better poised to get out of this. And they've actually most of the Asian markets have handled COVID better than the rest of the world. Yeah. Look, I've noticed that the focus is mm. shifting to the climate science at the moment mm. in terms of a lot of the media coverage. I don't know if you've observed that as well, that there's a lot Not of... Not at the moment, but yeah. Yeah, it depends on what you're watching in the world news. Um, so, look, there's talk about the, the vaccine still, but it's, they're starting to talk more about that. So I think that's just going to heat up yep. into 2021. Well, so there we have it. As you said, as you stay tuned for that one for next year, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to bring it to everybody then, yeah. but... Thanks to all those who did send an email in to us. And, you know, to me, like I was saying the last few weeks, the questions we have been receiving, you know, have been great. And, and we really do thank you for participating and to help yourself. But also it helps everybody else and learn as well, because if you're asking questions, I guarantee probably 10 other people have the same question for you. So please keep sending those questions in. But now our first question for the night is a video question, which is from somebody called Nathan, who I heard is a good looking dude. So let's take it away, Nathan, what's your question? Hi, Dale and Janine. My question is about um, gold ETFs, particularly uh, GDX versus miners. One's currency hedged and the other isn't. What's the best for an Australian trying to invest this way? Is it better to get a currency hedged one at the moment with our dollar going up versus the US or take your luck with the unhedged one? Anyway, thanks very much. Enjoy watching your show. Cheers. Look, I mean, you've got a strong point on hedging and currency exchange issues when people are investing in overseas markets, for example. Mm. So, you know, what, how can you use that to, to look at ETFs in the same light? 
Uh, I mean, no, obviously, if you've got two ETFs that are equal, and I've not looked at either of these two ETFs or what they're actually investing in or how depth, the depth of what they're investing in. So you're not sure right now. I don't know whether But that's they're... something they've got to consider. But so mm. like GDX and, and um, the miners, mm. which is a beta share. So the GDX one is the Van Eyck one that, yeah. you know, that I've t we've talked about. And the miners one is the beta shares version of it. Mm. So the GDX one has more exposure to the overseas or the global um, gold miners. The, mm. the, the miners one, I think, has more exposure to the Aussie some some Australian or more local stocks. So they're different in terms of the makeup. But uh, when you look at these, you can look at the charts of these. Mm. We've got them just there. First of all, just further to your point, you haven't looked at the charts, so I've brought it up to show you that it only goes back to around 2015. Mm. So you haven't got a lot of history on the ETF for a start to see what you were talking about, which is just understanding how different they are. Because it's not just the currency side of things. There's a whole raft well, of things that you consider. To? What I, my point was with one that's hedged, if its exposure is mainly international based, then mm. you might go, okay, well, currency hedge might be worthwhile for that. And if one is just Australian based, then why would they need the currency hedge? You know, so therefore, that's you've got to look into those different questions about what are they investing in. Well, what's that's their... right. When you're investing in mm. overseas stocks, mm. you're always talking about mm. the exchange rate and that being a potential issue. Yeah, and doing... our dollar is stronger mm. against the US dollar. But again, it's and when you're doing a hedge, that means you've got to actively manage your hedge as well. So the fees in one fund may be a little bit different than another one. Yeah, for paying for but, that hedge as well. The beautiful thing about this is, if it's hedge, you don't have to worry about any of that. You don't have mm. to manage that hedging yeah, process they're doing about for you. How the fund is run and what the cost the internal cost of the fund is so one may perform better than the other one just yeah i think it was cost. only marginal yeah, when i looked at it there it's only a marginal cost look, difference for the hedging I, right now i don't think it's going to make a lot of difference you yeah know, i think you just look at one that you like the best mm. um and obviously looking at the charts are we going to have a look at the charts and talk yeah, about i've them got that up there yeah. so there's so one we've got there is um the beta mm. shares one first of all so this is the aussie company yep. um who's got this index you know efdtf index there yep. To me, they look very similar, which you'd, okay. you'd expect. Actually, I've just got rid of it, so you can't see it. There's the monthly one. Um, that's beta shares. And if I quickly bring up the monthly one for the van, I, you know, they're, they they're tracking similar. each other very closely. Mm. So it's just a question then of the, the hedging and whether that gives you an advantage. And nine times out of ten, you would say, you know, hedge, look at... No, you would say about the currency side mm. of things, be, be aware of the currency exchange. Mm. Um, and if you want to hedge, then um, to protect yourself from that downside, why wouldn't you take the beta shares one? Yeah, well, you could. Correct. Mm. You're correct. As I said, it's it's really hard, and we I don't understand what these two are investing in in the depth. Mm. You know, because I've not read their prospectus or the details about each one of these two. So it really is. It's almost six for one, half dozen for the other. Which one is giving you what you want? Well, the charts are showing um, they're very similar. So, and they're but, very similar. But I would choose if it was me looking at mm -hmm. this. I would choose the beta shares one. I would just have to say that if you look at it over time, because I would it's actually, not yeah, I would actually because mm. it is hedged. But I would look at, I would actually talk to them because Beta Shares are really good like that. Yeah, Beta Shares are very um, good like that. Yeah. So I would actually contact Beta Shares and just get mm. some information from them as much as you possibly can. They've got some great education as well in terms of what is, yeah. like in terms of their products. Okay. So that would be my tip, I think. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say just quickly is that there's a gold ETF as well, which if you look at the gold ETF, it seems to be much more steady. There's more history on it. Mm. So that, you know, to me is, is, is attractive from a gold point of view if you're wanting to look at the gold sector. So I think that's what is our response. Have you got anything further to add to that? No, I think you've done well. Okay. All right. Kay. Next question is, this is the first email question we have, which is from Mandeep. Hi, Dale and Janine and team. Oh, how fantastic that you're acknowledging the team. The guys That's really in the awesome, room. isn't it? They'll be loving you. I entered the market first time in March and had no idea what I was doing. I bought 20 units of BHP for 26.40 and I'm thinking of increasing my position, but looking at its charts, it's sitting on an all-time highs, um, 41.45 every time, 2002. Um, to 2020, it has reached there. It's had major pullbacks. Kind regards, Mandeep. Good that he's looking longer term. And we've also had a question um, from Mark about BHP as well. So I thought we'd answer this one together. And Mark just mentioned about BHP looks like um, it's going to do an evening star. Oh, that's lovely, isn't it? It's a pattern uh, or a signal. Uh, good opportunity to trade short, says Mark. So um, you probably can't quite see that one. 
No, well, can you? I don't think an evening star is a, is a strong enough signal to trade something short, but anyway. Okay, so there's the comment, uh, Mark, a bit of feedback there. But just looking at BHP, um, it's right near its all-time high. Mm -hmm. So Mandeep's right in that every time it gets up around this level, it seems to choke and has a real problem moving on. And I think, you know, right now it's experiencing that. So this week we're seeing it pull back to test the resolve, I guess, of the buyers mm -hmm. wanting to push it higher. So there could be a little bit of downside to BHP in, in the short term this year. Yeah, but also but, I'd say to him, just because it's choked there a few times in the past, doesn't it's, eventually it's going to break through. That's it. At yeah. which top point that is. And that's where a lot of people go, oh, okay, it's hitting that level, I'll sell it. Mm. But that might be the point where it actually goes through it. Yeah, I've seen so. people have strategies where when it goes through the all-time high, they sell it. Mm. Now, sometimes stocks will pull back before their mm. all-time highs, as we know. We're studying this because it's just part of building the momentum to go through these levels. And sometimes they'll pull back just after they go through the all-time highs. So the fact that BHP has done this numerous times around this level seems to indicate that eventually when it does get going, it should actually do, should quite, actually well do quite well above yeah. those levels. So it's just got to get there. That's the challenge for BHP. But we could see a little bit of short-term downside before that. Yeah, we could. But I mean, I mean, also answering Mark's question, you, you don't short stocks that are rising strongly. You just mm. don't do that. Yeah. That's, you know, your short stocks that are falling because you've got a high probability because this may be down for one or two weeks and you may make a little bit of money mm. on that little quick short, but then it could quite as easily tomorrow start going back the other way and, and finish the week on its high and above the previous week. It could do that. Okay, so, so if he did, if he was going to short it, what would he be waiting for? Well, I'd be waiting for it to be in a downtrend first because you, it's about weight. It's like having a seesaw, you know, mm. you're getting, are you getting more buyers or more sellers? And right now, this stock over the last six, eight weeks, mm -hmm. has proven there's a lot more buyers than sellers. So as an example as a, of the downtrend, mm. once the stock had actually gone through these levels back with COVID, that would have been the shorting opportunity. Yeah, this, this is the place you short down through here because it was already showing it was downtrend. Mm. But even like through here, you can make some big money on BHP shorting through these sorts of periods. And it's just about increasing probability. And to me, shorting something at its top is mm. a lower probability trade than shorting something that's already going down. Yep. You've got a high probability, but great questions anyway from the guys. But the next question we do have is from Himmer. Um, he says, hey, Dale and Janine, it's Himmer here. I've bought in FMG or Fortitude Metals at $16 and now have made 23% profits from it so far as advised in your book. I currently have stop losses as well. My question is, will it continue to rise in 2021 or will mining stocks, including uh, Fortescue metals get crushed due to current disputes between China and Australia. I'm aware that we are their primary iron ore supplier as of today. Why another big long question? You give me all the long ones, don't you? All right, I'm not allowed to complain, guys. FMG is a favourite of mine and I'm planning on holding it for at least two years. Would love your overall opinion on the stock and its future. Thank you. All right, you ready? <laughs> oh. All right, so we talked, we've, we've actually looked at FMG in detail. We know it's getting to an important level, which yes. could reverse the share price. At the moment, it's been pushing up strongly. Mm -hmm. It's just the last few, last couple, or well, this week, it's actually trading around the same range as it was the prior week because we think that it got a bit of a head, a bit ahead of itself. So at the moment, it's more likely to fall away in the short term, I think. Um, but I think there'll be plenty of opportunities mm. with FMG down the track. I just wouldn't be doing it right now. Yeah, I think hold it while it's going up and get out mm. when it's going down, but it looks all right. It'll probably slow down a little bit, but... Yeah, so yeah. look, um, strategy, you, trend lines could be a good one for this one, couldn't it? Yeah, just use trend lines that you learn in my book, but make sure mm. you just... Don't, well, don't worry about the upside, and I think that's the question that you had was more like what's going to do in 2021. As long as you've got your downside protected, you don't need to worry about what it's going to do in 2021 because it'll tell you what's coming down and you get out of it. And if it doesn't tell you going down, it's still going to keep trundling up. And then your stop loss will keep raising up with that and you'll be capturing most of those profits again. So you don't have to necessarily predict where it's going to be into the future, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So You gave me the squeaky chair, didn't you, so that I'd have to sit still? I gave you a candy cane and a squeaky chair. You're a lucky so I girl. Can't reach you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, the next email we have is from Mikhail. Hi, Dale and Janine. As we're getting closer to reporting season, how do you think energy sector stocks generally are going to react to earnings reports at the end of this month? In particular, would you be able to have a look at oil search, OSH? What sort of reaction should we expect in the short term days before and after 31st? Mikhail, Ooh, that's a big one, isn't it? That's a, um, that's a big question. Look, 
We do like the energy sectors, including oil search, as we've said on a previous show where we looked at the energy sector. In the short term, there's some downside mm. risk potential with it. But more medium term, I like this, especially if it pushes back above um, recent resistance. We can see that it's just taking a bit of breather from that at the moment. So, um, but, you know, I just think that it's more medium term, it's more likely to go up. Now, so that's our technical view, but he's asking about, mm. obviously, the reporting. And obviously reporting is pure speculation. But what speculation. I'm saying is, like, you know, we could, that's exactly right. So, like, I'd rather look at mm. the chart and mm. work out what the stock's likely to do there. We know that when we go into reporting season, sometimes stocks like this, really volatile stocks, can react mm. quickly and swiftly. So in those situations, you, you don't try to second guess what's going to happen in reporting season because the opposite could happen. We've seen stocks that yes. they have great announcements, everything looks rosy, and the share goes the other way. So go figure. It's more about what the chart's telling you at mm. the time. Time. That's all you stocks can do. That have got the biggest loss in their history, and then they shoot up, and it's yeah. just—it's you can't predict it. Again, it's just about having your stop loss underneath it. If you do own it, if you don't own it, um, then trying to buy on a news or announcement from uh, the reporting season—that's probably a bit more speculative than you need to be taking. But look, hey, we do like energy stocks at the moment. This one looks pretty good, doesn't it? it does at the cool. moment? Yes. All right, you're, you're oh, it's next. My question, so yeah, I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> the next question that we have is from Andrew. He says, hi, Jan Dale and Janine. Um, am I able to get your thoughts on IAG as I purchased a small amount at $5.05 per share a few months ago and now there's a share purchase plan available and it's very close to my initial entry. Is it worth topping up as IAG do tend to do well over the longer term? Uh, thanks in regards to Andrew. Right. Good question. That's a really good question. Now, what do we say when we're looking at potentially topping up stocks? Don't. <laughs> no, not exactly. Oh. If the stock is in a loss, I should have given you that. Oh, well, yeah. More, yes, more clarity. So if the stock is in a profit, Well, then you can you top it up. Yes. Because, look, these, these share purchase plans or um, opportunities that you get, often they're smaller parcels anyway. So they're yeah. not a huge risk. So it's just about considering whether you want to be taking on additional parcels of stock yeah. um, because yep. it can end up, end up costing you money because you've got to have an accountant then um, work out the cost base for the different parcels when you go to sell them. And sometimes you get a, get them at a slightly cheaper volume, a discounted to the actual market trading at the time. So yeah, well, you're not you paying that, brokerage, so it's often attractive to small investors. It just depends on the position mm. size, I think. You know, if you've got a full position in it and you only offer a few shares, we'll maybe not do it. Mm. But if you like the stock medium to longer term, then it's okay. You don't want to set your risk out of balance. I think that's really what your I'm overall sort of, risk for your portfolio. Yeah, your overall course, risk yeah well, balance. that's what the book, your book goes into all of the details mm. for that. So if you've got Dale's book, mm. look at what the risk criteria is for the portfolio and then just make sure that you're adhering to all of that. That's good, mm. good comment there. But look, I mean, I like IAG. That's mm. the, I like the stock, but it needs to be moving up for us to be wanting to put more money into it at any time. Yeah, and mm. I think it, it's whilst it's been up the last sort of six or eight weeks, it really hasn't proven and it's long-term moving up yet, has it really? No, and I'm a bit sceptical mm. when offers come out, and I'm not saying this is about IAG, but I'm, I get a bit sceptical when these offers come out after stocks have just taken off, um, mm. you know, because it just looks to me like, okay, you're going to create the interest and then, yeah. Well, um, you don't know why it's taken off. I, mean, mm. I don't know who's putting money in it to push it up, do you? Yeah, and often these um, share purchase plans, if they set a price for these, it can cause the share price to fluctuate to the downside yeah, if the market thinks, is. okay, is that going to dilute mm. um, capital in any way? And then mm. if it is, then, you know, what's the impact of that? Okay. So that's something to be mindful of as well. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. We have lots more to come before we get into that now. It's a perfect time to hit that subscribe button. Also, make sure you like the video. And look, our topic for today, this is Ooh, really topic. interesting, which is top 10 trading tips and strategies to profit that work. Now, making money in the stock market can be easy if you have the right trading strategies. In fact, many individuals achieve great results with just a few hours work on a regular basis without having to risk their house. Unfortunately for beginners, though, many fail to break fall prey to market myths and misconceptions and this is what really gets under our skin and as a result the stock market becomes another vessel for the transfer of wealth for the uneducated to the educated and we want to turn that around. To be successful in the stock market you must be able to differentiate from the trading tips and strategies that help you to achieve your success and those that are just market myths and misconceptions that'll do the opposite. So in fact there are um, 
too many market myths and misconceptions that leave investors at the mercy of those in the know. One of the biggest myths, that individuals cannot achieve their own success in the market. How is that? Like, you know, how is it that people have believed that over time um, and therefore you become reliant on others to grow your wealth, which is so far from the truth. But this myth is perpetuated despite the evidence that demonstrates otherwise. So in tonight's show, we'll break down the myths and misconceptions by sharing with you the top 10 trading tips and strategies that will enable you to profit from the stock market so you become a successful trader. There we go. Well done. Very, very good. Now, all too often we find that people wanting to be successful in the market do things that result in the opposite, such as looking for stock tips and people give reasons like, ah, oh, I don't have the time, but what is this costing you by not actually learning? So by getting a tip, you know, people go, well, mm. I don't have the time. So I'll just let somebody else tell me what to do. But yeah. really, what's that costing you? And that's really what we're asking. Mm. And if you really analyse why you take tips, in most cases, this is some truth, it's really about you not having the confidence or knowledge yourself yet. So you look at someone else who also may not actually have sufficient knowledge or may have a vested interest for making that tip. Well, you have to look at where do people get tips from? Mm. Like, Where's the most common places people get tips from? Oh, there's like chat forums and, and broking friends. websites. Oh, friends, yeah, that was your top one, wasn't it? Friends, yeah, the research is How friends, is relatives mm. and chat forums. So how do you know they know what they're doing? Mm. You know, and I, and I had somebody the other day or a week ago said to me, Dale, one of the statements I loved the best for you was he said, would you give all your money to somebody with your level of knowledge and experience to trade for you on your behalf? And he said... When I asked myself, I said no, mm. and and this, so he's actually got it. And this is what you're really doing when, also what you're doing when you're taking tips. You're getting tips from people you don't necessarily know, and whether they're good tips or not. Mm -hmm. um, and even research of, I've read lots of research around professional tipping newsletters. Like there's lots of research in the US around this, mm. and and they say even experts get it right 50% of the time. Mm -hmm. So if experts are getting it right around 50% of the time, what are the rest of us doing? Yeah. So, and that's really where you've got to be careful with tips. Mm. Look, mm. I spoke to someone too recently about it, which we'll talk more about in, mm. in, as we go through the points. But um, do you want to keep going? Yeah, I'll keep going. That's fine. I just wanted to give you some space because I'm being a gentleman tonight. Um, to get ahead of the myths and misconceptions, you really do need knowledge. And this reminds us of a quote from the great Stephen Hawking, who says, the great enemy of knowledge is not ignorance. It is the illusion of knowledge. Mm, That's a great, a good one, I love it? that quote. It is so good. Yeah, I thought that would ring true with you because you often talk about how people perceive what they know and it's different to what they actually do. Yeah, and it's people perceive they have, there's, what's the, um, we talked about that um, theory, the, um, I'm trying to, the Dunning-Kruger effect many months, early this year and we mm -hmm. talked about that and how people have a cognitive um, bias towards thinking that they actually know what they're talking about. And generally it's the the guys who are a little bit more arrogant, who mm. always tend to be right. They're the ones that have this cognitive bias because they think they know. Mm -hmm. But when they really get tested, they don't know. And often when, like I've said, be, said before in some seminars that we've done, if you, know, if you were to rate yourself, where would you be on a 1 to 10? And now rate yourself against, you know, you, Janine. Mm. And where would you rate yourself? And the thing is, is people don't know where how to rate themselves because they don't have a reference point. Yeah. Often I talk to people who, you know, ring up and they talk about wanting to trade and I go, how confident are you trading? Is it, you know, one out of 10 or 10 out of 10? And they go, most people say seven. Mm. And then when I start asking them questions, I find out they really don't understand that much. And I said, well, my view is you're probably one or two. Mm. It's not being rude to them. It's just saying that's where you are. In my level of knowledge and experience, you're nowhere near seven. So, so they can press a button and buy and sell. They can press a button a and buy and sell a share, but they really mm. don't have a depth of knowledge. And that's really the thing that okay. a lot of people overestimate and have that cognitive bias thinking they know more. So, but what we want to do is to help you to be successful. So to be sure to write down uh, these and bring them out again and again with, to cement what you will learn. So the trading tips we're going to be teaching, just write them down and keep doing them. So trading tip number one, never take stock tips. And if you didn't hear that, never <laughs> take stock ticks, stock, stock, ticks, stock tips. Um, always do your own research and analysis into quality companies and really be consistent in your process when determining stocks to buy for your portfolio. And I think that's another one. A lot Have of you got something are, stuck between your teeth? You I do. A bit mm -hmm. of tonight's dinner. Okay. Um, All right. Um, so, yeah, stock tips. 
It's Correct. a big bugbear of yours, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We were just it's, talking about before. Well, yeah, it is. Mm. It is because it's like if you don't know, find out. And that's mm. why I've always been in my life. And it don't don't leave your future to somebody else. And that's really what I'm saying here. It's like you know, it's like it's like letting. But you'll else. even say like if you if you talk about a stock and you think it's good, mm. you'll even say to people, don't take my word for it. Go and look at the Go chart. Go yourself. Check it yourself. Find a rule that works and then see if it's a buy now. Yeah, I mean, mm. do you let somebody else tell you what car to buy or what house to buy or what you know, milk to buy or anything else to buy? No, but it seems to be quite happy letting other people tell them what to buy and sell mm -hmm. in the stock market. And that just does not make sense to me. It's yep. like, what's more important, buying a car or you know, financing your future, you know, to me. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it's really... You made some really good points there. Um, trading tip number two, educate yourself properly. There are no shortcuts to success in the market, and this is the most important tip that we can share with you and is why we started this business. So mm. once you have the right knowledge, you as an individual can create your own success in the market, and this is not just our view, but the views of many who've experienced the difference. Listen to this. Go and learn first. Um, there is not any worse feeling than blowing up your account and not knowing why and not knowing how to fix it. There's no more enjoyable experience than learning about it and achieving the goals that you set because you now have knowledge. Oh, I thought that, a, yeah. yeah, that's just so brilliant, isn't it, what she said? And it's so true. And the amount of people that I've heard say that after they've studied our course and mm. I... I don't, we don't need to say it because other people will do that for us. Yeah, you're correct. But it's, it's, it's often, when I, again, I've talked about people I talk to on the phone and they, they go, you know, they go, oh, your course is expensive. And I go, so you want any course or you want a good course? What would you want? Mm. And for a lot of people, it's just anything. Um, and then they find out how costly anything is, is because there's an old saying by Zig Ziglar, if you're not willing to learn, then no one can help you. But if you are willing to learn, no one can stop you. But what is learning mm. and what's learning properly and being properly educated? And I find the majority, and there's probably close to nine out of 10 people that I, I get to speak to on the phone when I do talk to these people coming to us, they spent three, five, even 10 years or more playing around looking at YouTube, looking at all sorts of websites, sort of reading a few books and trying to piece it together. And yet they're still hit and miss because mm. they're trying to do it the cheap way thinking that's a or better fast. way. Or fast, one of the mm. two. So they want it really cheap or really fast, but it's not necessarily the best way to learn. Mm. You know, you go to university for four years to get a degree so you can get a great job, and yet people think, read a book, I can trade. It doesn't work that way. Mm. Yep, good point. So what's tip number Look, three? Tip number three, always use proper rules to buy and sell. Not just somebody said that this is a good stock or the stock's moving up, I want to get in on it. It's mm. none of that sort of, you know, emotional stuff involved. It's just black and white. The rule is triggered, so you buy once you know that rule is triggered. So just as a carpenter needs multiple tools to do his or her job well, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation with trading the market. And as a successful trader, you need to have multiple rules in your kit bag. And best of all, when you learn properly, you'll be able to prove that the set of rules that you use works best. Now, mm. that to me was always the big um, clincher for me, you know, because if, if I can actually, you, you know, as we were saying before, you said prove it to yourself. Yeah. People sit there and say, well, how can I prove it to myself? Well, once you know how to apply the rules, you don't need Dale or I to tell you. Okay. You can actually go to the chart that we show when it, we come here every week and show you stock charts. You can then put the um, set of rules on the chart and determine whether the history of the chart shows that that's a good strategy to apply to, say, IAG, which was the last stock that we were using, there are specific sets of rules for, for every stock mm -hmm. that will work better over time. Now, it doesn't mean you'll win on every single trade because that's not what the market's about. It's about probability and it's about staying in it and then adjusting your rules if you need to, you know, over time. But, but have the... Um, the data prove to you what's going to work best over time, really. Mm. Yeah, I, I often say to our traders when they're learning and they go, I'm practising, I said, that's great, you're practising, but are you practising perfectly? Because practice doesn't make perfect, it's perfect practice makes perfect. Mm -hmm. And by perfect practice means that means you become, you know that you know, you don't think that you know. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, that cognitive bias we talk about. People read something in a book and go, oh, because they've read my book and they go, trend lines. And then how many people send trend lines into us? And we go, mm, not a trend line. Mm. Because they've thought they knew and they don't really know because it's about practicing it the right way all the time and having those right tools 
for the right job because some stocks will work really well on trend lines, some won't. Yeah, because if I was to mm. say to you that over the next mm. 10 years, if you trade um, IAG in this particular way mm. and you get a win, an average win of this and your win rate is seven or eight out of 10 times, mm. what would you say? I'd say great. Yeah. I'd just keep doing it. So that's what, I, and when people start applying it, that's mm. what gives them more confidence. Making money's boring, mm. you know, because you're just doing yeah. the same stuff over and over again. You do what works and keep doing it. Strategy. Keep doing it. Mm. It's strategy, but it's not about mm. creating the next big widget or the next big algorithm to trade. It's about doing the same stuff over and over again. Yep. Okay. Like we do in our job. Okay, so tip number four always set a proper stop loss to manage your risk. And that should be your number one priority ahead of your profits. Now, set your stop loss before you trade so you know how much you are risking and recalculate after you know your buy price. Now, that's one thing. Nine out of 10 traders don't have stop losses either. That's right. Mm, and so they either don't have a stop loss. Some of them don't actually recalculate it Correct. after they've done it. Almost don't. And some of them actually don't know what, um, where to, um, that, and I'll show you something on the chart in a minute, but if, yeah. just say if we're looking at IAG. Okay, so we, we go back to IAG again. You we, like this stock. <laughs> we bring up IAG, okay? Mm. Now just say I, I put a line on the chart, so I'm just going to grab a... Yeah. Um, now this is a horizontal line, so I'm just grabbing one of yours. So if I put a line across the chart and I say, okay, as an example, this is a, has met my rules when it goes up here. Yep. I'm not saying that there's a specific set of rules for IAG at this point, but in February 2019, it was going up, let's just say, mm. and my exit rule, my entry rule triggered. Yep. Well, it's about then deciding how much am I willing to risk. So if my um, exit approach is um, that I'm going to use a 15% stop loss like we talk about in the book, yep. say I got in at the end of the week there, then the 15% stop loss is all the way, it's actually below that low. Yep. So when I look at that, I think that's great because I know that, you know, if that takes out that low, I know the stock's going to turn down in a downtrend. So mm. I know that I'm wrong. You know, it's got to, I'm, mm. a, I'm at, in the stock at, at, the, at a time that turns out to be not the best time to trade, but you don't know that at the time. You don't you're know going that with, entry, yes. You're going with probability. You only know what you mm. know at the time when you're trading it. So probability says buy now, you'll make a profit. The risk is low because it's lower than my 15%. Yeah. And now I'm looking at, well, how am I going to get out of this thing? So um, as it starts to unfold, there might have been trend lines to get out of it. Or um, other types Months of... after, there might have been other rules to get out over here on the right-hand side. So I could have made a profit. If I had have got out over here somewhere, I may have made a small profit out of it hmm. and, and locked in a dividend. Just depends on the strategy that worked best over time for this particular stock. Hmm. But this is more about setting that stop loss now. You know, that to me is really easy to look at. It's easy to understand. But it, but when you're setting the stop loss, if it turned out to be um, a 10% stop loss, whatever that dollar value was, once you actually get into the share, say 10% is somewhere around here. If you can see that clearly enough, I'm just going to squash it up so we can see it a bit better. Um, we're, we'd be getting out at 10% below what we actually bought it for, but we'd be getting out one cent below that. Yeah, once it goes through that. Yeah. Once it goes through that. So that's another thing. Yep. So that, look, cool. this is a really simple thing. So this is a mm. part of a process that you go through when you're yeah. trading, isn't it? Cool. Yep. All right, tip number five, never trade leveraged instruments without first learning how to trade stocks and paper trade. The, uh, this is not just about using the right strategy, it's about your psychology and you really do need to choose the right strategy for the market you are trading and know how you will manage your own psychology before you go down this path. I mean, to... Too many people come to us who have been trying to trade FX and all sorts of mm. other leverage markets because they want to get the money quickly. Or the other one is they, I don't have much money, so I'm going to trade leverage so I can make it worthwhile to trade. Or and both my friend's of those are making lots of money um, by oh. trading leverage markets and I want to do what he's doing. You're not your friend. How do I do that? Yeah, you're not and it doesn't, it doesn't work half the time when people mm. try to duplicate it because, mm. one, you may not have had the development and, and in the skill that you need to get there, and two, you've only been looking at that what that person's doing potentially for a window of time, mm. and it doesn't mean that that's not going to change six months down the track depending on what happens with the market yeah. that they're trading. <laughs> how many times yeah. you've had somebody saying, oh, my friend's been doing it really well, and they go, how long have they been trading? They go, six months, and yeah. I say, well, wait another six months. That's right. See what so, happens. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Tick number six. Okay, this one's good. Use leverage to increase your exposure wi wisely, right? So this is gradually doing it. First improve, 
first to prove yourself that you can trade stocks. So that's the number one thing for at least 12 months before considering leverage. So this is what we mm. talk about with moving the yeah. decimal place, isn't it? Yep. Um, so that you can actually increase your exposure to the market. But be smart. Do it safely. Don't be desperate. Mm. You know, look at the way that you do things in life. Do you rush in gung-ho and just sort of, you know, have a go and dive in like you're diving into a pool and... You know, people have been injured badly by jumping into pools and not knowing how deep the water is. Same sort of thing in the stock market. So just plan out your development over time. The market's not going to go away. It'll still be there. There's still going to be great opportunities down the track to make yeah. lots of money on stocks that are, have been just coming off lows that will be trading up long term. Yeah, I mean, the road to successful trading is paved with impatient traders mm. you know, trying to make a quick buck you yeah. know, and uh, littered with it, so or dead traders. So tip okay. number seven, Janine? Yeah, document a trading plan and trade your plan. Document your plan before every trade. And this is really key. Don't think to yourself, I'm going to write down what I what my rules were after you've actually mm. pressed the button to buy on that broker's website. Sit down in the quiet of the day or night and then work out exactly how you're going to trade the stock. You know, do your back testing, your paper trading and have worked all of that out. And then document your trading plan. So know, put your, you, you put your buy price based on your rules mm. and when they trigger, you put a whole lot of information that's relevant mm, to the your design. Stock loss, your money management, yeah. how much money putting at risk, what risk the fundamentals taking, of the all stock. the fundamentals of the stock, yep. all well, this list of There's a whole lot of things on that plan that should be there. Mm. And then, of and course, why? how are you going to exit? Did you say that? Sorry? Not just your stop loss, but the mm. strategy that the you're strategy, planning your to use strategy, to get yes. out is really important. And there are circumstances when you may need to adjust your plan, Look, depending on how the stocks unfold over time. And this is where knowledge and experience mm. will really teach you how to do this. So it's not something that, you know, mm. you can just, just because you might be an intelligent person, yeah, that will help you. But it doesn't, just because you've been a dentist or a doctor or a teacher or whatever it is in your life, a carpenter, doesn't mean that you're just going to be able to pick this up and do it straight away and consistently over time. You need to actually have a path to follow. And doesn't that make it so much easier? If it's already done for you, all the research is already done for you, the process is already in place and you just follow that. Um, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, mm. no, tip, trading tip number eight, trade well. Not often, and that's a really interesting one. A lot mm -hmm. of people don't take this. Some people think you've got to trade more to make more money, where it's actually trading less you make more money. And it reminds me of a, a trader that went to like a workshoppy thing many minutes ago before we even set up um, Wealth Within. And he was he rang me up because he knew I was a trader, and he said, "Hey Dale, I've had 36 trades this month." And I said, "So you're losing money?" And he goes, "How do you know?" And I said, "Because you've had 36 trades this month, you can't do that. It's just not pos possible, and it's not profitable." And he went, oh, and then he got a bit dejected. He went away, and a month later, he rings him back up again. He said, hey, Dale, I've had 38 trades th this <laughs> month. And I said, and you're still losing money. And he goes, how do you know? And I said, because you can't do that. You've had 70, nearly 80 trades in two months. It's not possible mm. to do that and be profitable, very profitable. I didn't hear from him again. Not sure why. Well, look. I'm not surprised by that, but look, I want to tell a story about <laughs> well, a, a lady because we have had a few cowgirl traders yeah, over time because yeah. women tend to be a little bit more, you know, structured in the way they do things. But mm -hmm. in this case, this lady, she was a real cowgirl. She was a great lady, um, but she was she was doing a lot of trading on yeah. daily charts oh, yeah. and she wasn't using week because she hadn't done our course at that stage and she wasn't using weekly charts. So she did our course, and once she'd done the course, she went back over all the trades that she'd done and worked out that she'd actually spent a bucket load of money with these brokers. No wonder they loved her. Mm. Um, and, you know, that, that in, in essence, she could have actually made more by actually taking the rule to get in. She could still use the daily chart to exit, but if she used the rule to get in on the weekly chart and all the confirmation that she needed on the weekly chart, mm. she would have made more money. She would have had less trades and made more money. That's right. And mm. I've, I don't know how many times I've had that conversation with people, you know, and they come back a month or two months later and they go, yeah, when I did back, went back over all my trades, I would have had less trades and made more money. Mm. So it works. So don't over trade. A big, big sin in trading is over trading and always looking for a trade is over trading. You should just wait for the market, stalk it and wait for the good trades to happen and then go ahead with that because you'll be far more profitable. Now, trading tip number nine, and look, you know mm. how I always like to have a baker's dozen, but I didn't mm. actually put a baker's dozen in this oh, one because there are just so many. But trading tip number nine, document your results. You need a trading log to record the performance of your portfolio. Now, 
cash and stocks, not just stocks. Like the number of people I speak to, they've only recorded the actual trades. So what you do is when you start to trade, you say, okay, I'm going to allocate whatever it is, 20,000, 50,000, and for some people it'll be a much bigger number to start my trading uh, um, portfolio. Well, you have to work out your performance based on the total, not based on the actual capital that you've allocated to the stocks that you trade. Um, and this is what a lot of people don't get. You know, it's just the fact that you decided not to employ all of that money and you mm. only decided to buy three shares instead of, of a possible 12, is still part of your portfolio. Mm. So your performance will be significantly different if you didn't work mm. all of the cash. Mm. And it's not to say that you need to get all of it working because you don't. Because it might be that you only trade, you know, 10 or 15 yeah. trades over the whole year. Um, and you make the money with that. That's the thing. It's not about you know having to keep that money fully invested all the time. Correct. Yeah, that's a, a mistake. A lot of people think they have to have all their money in the market all of the time, when mm. it's not true. It's actually completely the opposite. Trading tip number ten: When starting out, it's not about how much money you can make. When you start, tr uh, you, when you start trading, focus on trading well and gaining the experience and testing your psychology in the market. So many people make this mistake and it's a real big reason why so many traders fail. So once you have proper training, you need experience and when you decide you want to be able to trade successfully, set a budget for yourself and for your education plus an amount of money you're prepared to risk in the market to gain experience. So I'll, I'll say the tip again, it's not about trading it's about trading well or not how much you trade but trading well every single time and, and to me uh, if you trade well that means you follow a defined set of rules and structured trading plan everything else um, and if you do that whether you make money or lose money on the trade is irrelevant because your plan on tells one you, trade you mean yeah on a trade mm. if you lose money on a trade and you've tr and you've followed your plan that's a good trade in my book mm. because you've traded well you followed everything that you set down because statistics are saying if you've got a 7 out of 10 win-loss ratio, that you win seven times and you'll lose. So when the three times you lose, as long as you followed your plan, it's still mm. trading well. But a lot of traders think, oh, I did something wrong and they beat themselves up and they go, oh, I made mistakes, blah, blah, blah. But if, as long as you followed your plan, it'll all work out. Mm. And you know, I had one trader call me years ago and they crunched all the numbers and they said, based on the trading plan that you have, it's impossible to lose. And I went, yeah, because you just trade the plant. You don't have to yeah, make it fancy and whatever else. There was a guy I remember years ago, this is when we used to do the face-to-face -face mm. workshops, and mm. he was so excited about the market and he's mm. doing the course. And he put in, in practice, um, he, was, he was focused on one of the techniques that we teach that he really mm. liked. So I said, look, if you really like that one, it, it's probably going to work for you better first. So he's tested the stocks on that first. And he found that that worked on this particular share that he mm. tried. So he put it into practice. The first trade was a losing trade. Mm. And at the time, I can remember saying to him when I saw his trading plan, I said, are you sure you want to put that much money in the market? It's your decision. I'm not going to give you personal financial advice. I'm not qualified to do it. Um, however, you know, it's just something that, you know, I say to all traders that you really need to think about. So he said, I'm really comfortable. That's fine. But he actually wasn't. So when mm. he when the first trade lost, of course, it affected his psychology and he wasn't you know, he'd only just started trading and that's why you need to trade with smaller amounts Correct. first. But then he got okay. to the second trade mm. and the second trade actually was a losing trade yeah. with the strategy. Um, sometimes it can happen like that. You can have two trades in a row, mm. but the third trade, which he, was an absolute boomer. I actually remember watching the chart to see this trade go off. But and he didn't take it, right? He, you're right. He didn't take it because he was too afraid. he was trading too big a positions at the start. He didn't mm. ease into the trading, start mm. with small positions, work it up because a lot of traders don't realise the impact of the psychology on their approach. Huge. Yeah, they Huge. think I've just got to have the best stock to trade or I've got to have the best mm. tip, you know, the best best rule to trade. It's not yeah. that. Well, above all, when you're trained well to trade a stock market, you actually become a good risk manager. And that's really what we're talking about is becoming a really good risk manager. Mm. Um, but look, we need to get into some more emails, don't we? We really do, yeah. So now let's get into more emails. If you've enjoyed that topic, we, we hope you really did. Um, you know, enjoy this tonight. Make sure you write all of those rules down and, and read them over and over again. If you are trading the market, pull them out every time mm. that you go just to do a check on yourself to make sure that you're actually adhering to that. Can I say something before yeah. we move on? Because mm. people go, well, what are the buy and sell rules? Well, mm. that's not the important part. The buy and sell rules are come after you've done everything else and learnt everything else. People just go, well, tell me what the best buy rule is or best sell rule. It's not about that. But why did, you teach, the them, why did you teach them that earlier on in the course then? What do you mean? 
Well, because you're saying that comes after, but in the course we teach them the buy and sell rules. Yeah, yeah well, we don't early. teach them in module one. No, true. So we get them the process going first before we start introducing mm. buy and sell rules. That's what I'm saying is too many people just I'm think, just playing the devil's I want devil's the best advocate. buy or sell rule now. <laughs> but if you haven't yeah. got all the rest of it, it's fraught with danger. Yeah. Uh, and you'll you'll go out. So it's but, that understanding at first yeah. that you're building up and Correct. then you've got the rules. Like, I love that module three. That's just fantastic. Oh, yeah. It's a brilliant module. It's okay. a lot of work. So let's get that. going. Otherwise, we'll be here um, till midnight. But before we do, remember to hit that subscribe button now. And whilst you're there, give us the big thumbs up and click on the like button. Thank you very much for doing that. Now, we've got a question from Tech into okay. our email questions again. Hi, Dale and Janine. When possible, can you please have a look at SIM for me? I bought them in March this year when COVID hit, expecting the area that will get government funding to drive us from recession. It's um, been in a downtrend for 18 months now. Do you believe the downtrend is now completed and will be going up from here and remove and resume or re resume its downtrend soon? Tech. Now, I think we've talked about this share a few times before, mm. and while it looks like it may start going up, the challenge with SIM is its, is its um, share ownership mm -hmm. and the fact that the this overseas company has bought out this stock and I believe maybe taking it over mm -hmm. completely. I'm not sure of the details because I haven't followed it more recently because it's because of what was going on with it at a corporate level. I just sort of left yeah, it to the right side. Yeah, but right now he's, he's bought because he thought something might happen because Look, of... Look, technically it looks okay. Mm -hmm. It looks like it might come down for a couple of weeks, mm -hmm. but it really needs to push back up above around $27 mm -hmm. before yep. it confirms it's going okay. up again. Mm. Well, the next email we have is from Ahan, who says, Hi, Dale, looking for your opinion on Horizon Holdings Limited and your opinion on whether this is more of a medium-term uh, trade rather than a long-term one. Looked like there was an entry on the weekly chart, according to my trend line. Um, I decided to buy at $4.28 as it's closed twice above the trend line. Cheers for your help, Rahan. Okay, now I don't know how I did that, but I had to add that one to my list. So looking at AZJ, we've talked about this one too, I think recently, and it has been, um, I guess we're not really going to make any comments about the trend lines because unless people have been really um, trained in how to apply trend lines, there's not much point in that because you're just giving someone a crumb yep. and they're not seeing the full picture. So Correct. I just don't see the point in doing that. But you know, there's a number of rules that you actually have to meet before you can confirm whether mm. there's a trend line, a real trend line or not. Now, this thing could just keep falling away. Mm. It's possible. But at the moment, there's some really strong levels. To me, what's more important right now is it needs to trade back above around that resistance at 440. Okay. Once it does, cool. then, you know, it's more likely to go up. If it keeps going back below the $4 mark really strongly, 390, then it's more likely to keep falling. So that's, okay. there we have it. Now, we've got a question um, from Mood who says, Hi, Dale and Janine. I hope you're both doing well. Yes, we are a little bit hot today. It's hot in Melbourne. Uh, my inquiry for this time is about FPH. I was waiting for the stock to give a bit of confirmation on resuming its trend uh, to get it. However, I noticed on the 4th of December that it broke the trend line, which, uh, I, which I have held for it since August 2019 and it didn't uh, break it even during March crash. I hope my trend line is correct. I was interested to buy the stock on confirmation and hold it for a short term until I see a sell signal. But for now, I don't see any buy signals. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, what is your thoughts on the stock and what point do you think FPH could give confirmation to buy regards, Mahmood? You give me I all the I love giving longest. you the long ones. So just, uh, I have to I'm do taking it. over the script I have to do from it. next year. I'm completely... No, not. Come on, let's just talk about the stock. All right. Look, Before I get really I, hot. I'd have to say that, um, really good question, Mahmood. I think there is no buy there, which is what he's asked. So mm. there's no buy. And as far as the trend line's concerned, well... Um, you know, he's probably right. It is probably mm. starting to move below a trend line now. and But it's looking really toppy, isn't it? So, yeah, it is looking really, mm. really toppy. And I mean, it's done amazing all the way through here. So you can understand it's going to slow down and come back to a, a more normal momentum, which it looks like it's doing right now. So. It would need to go through that all-time high before it start looks, starts looking interesting again. Yeah, I think more right now it's got more downside than more upside mm. than upside. So, At the moment. Mm. Yeah. All right, all right, next question. Next question we have is from Jojo. Now, this question actually came from the YouTube channel that you saw that you thought it was interesting. I'm currently holding AEF and I bought it at 520 as I've looked into their financials. Strong balance sheet, no debt, good cash flow. It's gone down below $5 now. Do you think it will go stronger in 2021? Well, 
you know, it wouldn't surprise us the number of times where you see the financials mm. looking good and the stock price is just not going anywhere. And that's why it's good if you're looking at the technicals to back up the financials. So that's what we um, teach people from the word go is that, it, OK, the fundamentals are one thing, but if the money flow is not going into the stock, mm. then what's the point in you putting your money at, in, at risk? So it could rise, and like you say, it's just really going nowhere at the moment, but if it starts to head back up above this high here, this recent high, it's more likely to trade up in the short term, but it still could get stuck somewhere between 6 and $7. So that's yeah. a real risk, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, I mean, it's got good support underneath it, you know, above that $4 mark. It's pretty strong mm. support there, but it, if it broke through that sort of level there, then it's all over. It's come back down. It'll it's come just back that down it's pulled here, back twice. Like it's had the yeah. COVID fall, then gone up really strongly and then come, come all the way back, you know. Yeah. Mm. So it doesn't look super strong to me anyway. Uh, the next question we have is from JN. Um, I really want to know if Qantas is a safe bet considering they are <laughs> almost the only airline. Uh, I'm so annoyed I didn't buy earlier this year. So that's interesting. Mm, um, oh, oh, I thought you liked that one. It is an interesting question, isn't it? So annoyed. Like he's annoyed. annoyed. What You don't want to be annoyed at, at these sort of things, do you? There's but always other it. opportunities. Yeah, during covid Buying Qantas earlier this year. I mean, if you bought in January, you still would have bought up up the top up here somewhere, wherever it is. So there's your sort of early in the year. So you'd still be sort of that's lose, November, is it? Oh, December. that's December. So you would have been losing money if you bought early in the year. If you bought after COVID, you'd be doing really, really well. But why would you buy an airline with COVID? You know, when the world's shutting down. Yeah. And Look, I guess th you yeah. know the the optimum. You look at how far it's recovered though. Hmm. You yeah, know, and no, at the moment, the, the flights are not there. They're not getting the same sort of flights coming through mm. at the moment. They're, mm. they're, and, I mean, isn't, isn't it that they're actually not putting all of their pilots back on at the moment yeah, as well? Of, yeah, well, we've employed one of their pilots, mm. so we've got one of their pilots working on our, within our assessment mm. team. And I know other pilots have got roles in lots of different areas, but, it gets, again, is where is their profit and their growth coming from mm. in this next 12 months? And that's really, have they had their run and people were speculating on things, or mm -hmm. is it really good? And I think... If you're not in Qantas now, I'd probably don't think it'd be a great buy. Look, I actually think that it's mm. it's looking quite good from a trend point of view. So I do like the trend on the stock. And I I actually think that the board, you know, over time have done a spectacular mm. job Correct. with Qantas. So, you know, it's to their credit. And it's a real shame that um, it's Alan Joyce still there. I haven't yeah, followed yeah. Qantas for a while, but, you know, he just worked so hard getting Qantas up and going and getting the chart looking absolutely beautiful and then the COVID scenario. So, But he's the mm. type of guy who I think and his, and his team um, that could actually turn Qantas around and help it get back on its feet and yeah. remain but I, strong. What I was suggesting is maybe it's had most of it run already. Yeah. That, that there's not a lot more left in it at the moment until things well, sort of get back to normal. you have to ask, wouldn't you, from a fundamental perspective, mm. do you think it would be worth what it was pre-COVID? No, not now. Yeah. Because it wouldn't be making the profits and it's mm. got heavy losses from this mm -hmm. past year. Okay. So, so what you're saying is potential short-term downside until things sort of start to recover a bit more. Well, you look, holding costs on aeroplanes is not cheap, mm. you know, and you've still got all this infrastructure that you've basically that you've got in, and airlines are not cheap businesses to run and they run on slim margins anyway. Yeah, but looking at the chart? Looking at the chart, look, I think it's got some, at least some short term. It looks good, but I think short term it's going to come down a bit more. Mm. Um, but it does look good. It does, doesn't it? All right, next mm. question uh, we've got is from Christopher. So this one we also got off the off our YouTube channel. So thanks very much for this, Christopher. He says, I think the pandemic has taught people the importance of multiple streams of income. Unfortunately, having a job doesn't mean security. Gosh, you know, that's so true. And, and mm. that's something that we've been talking to people about for a long time. Because yeah. the, market, the market is a, just like a, um, you know, a big river of money that's there for people to just be able to extract the money from the market. And it does provide that additional stream of income. We've had a show, haven't we, yep. that covered all of that? Yeah, we do. We had a cover, mm. like, you know, trying to get cash flow out and earning a living from the market, all that sort of stuff. And mm. it is, you know, to me, it gets down to that whole thing you're talking about is, you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And it's no, it's no good saying the proverbials hit the fan, COVID shut everything down. Oh, now I've got to learn how to go and get a second income. You so, know, but but the GFC beforehand. hit people mm. hard and yet... Mm people still continue to do the same old thing that they were doing before yeah. the GFC. So yeah. is COVID going to teach people a lesson? We get, oh, it has to some degree. We've got people coming to us now that we've been on our website for 10 years and looking at our 
reports mm. our podcast, inquiring about our courses numerous times, and they're, they're finally saying, oh, look, I've, look, I now really understand that I do need to do this because yep. if I keep putting it off, I'm never going to get there. Mm. And the answer is, yeah, you're never going to get there if you keep putting off learning how to make a second stream of income. And the market is such an easy way to do it if you understand what you're doing. Mm. And so I really encourage you, if you're thinking about trading, get educated and do it properly. Good advice. Now, so the final yeah. question I, I save for you. If, and hopefully it's not a long one. Um, the final question is from Theo, who says, Hi, Dale, great content, the cannabis pharmaceutical industry has been in the news of late making inroads for medicines to treat autism and pain. What are your thoughts on the company like Zelira Therapeutics, uh, I can't say that one, um, which is licensing its clinically proven formulations in the US, um, Australia and the world. Could they be an undiscovered growth stock for the future? Um, it's quite possible. Now, just to give a bit more clarification around that, the World Health Organization in the last week has taken off marijuana off there i think it's class it's the same class as heroin and everything else they've taken it off that and decriminalized it i can't remember the exact so number. you've talked to you've talked about this on your u.s show haven't you yeah i talked about it on my u.s talking well show jim. with jim beach mm -hmm. about that and saying saying well because i've had a few people saying oh is now the time to get into pot mm -hmm. stocks or cannabis stocks and are trying to stagger profit into those sort of things and the answer is it doesn't change your investing techniques don't change regardless of what announcements are out there because if they're not making money and they're in heavy debt and everything else, then you still wouldn't buy them regardless mm. of what industry they're in. So it's about finding good companies, you know, with good volumes, good liquidity, um, you know, good prospects. They're up. making money. So mm. this stock could be one of them. But let's well, have look, a look. Let's have a look because the monthly chart sort mm -hmm. of tends to indicate, it looks like it might have been a shelf company and they've done a backdoor listing. It does look like that to me, yeah. gap on the chart. Um, and looking at the right-hand side more recently, the weekly shot, it sort of yes. looks like it's a recovery, doesn't it's, it? It looks like it's, it's not a highly liquid company, but you can see a lot of the volume coming in through here. Mm. So there's pretty good volumes at the moment. So this could be the one. But when you like say good saying, volumes, can you just have a look at it properly? Can you put oh, the sorry. crosshair on there for us so well, we can see? there's the volume on the screen. What yeah. do I need the crosshair for? Okay, so that's saying, what, 16 million? 16 million. But at, at what price? At 7 cents. Now, that's not a lot. That's not a lot of capital in there, but so it's still a liquid stock, but it's got good volumes now compared to what it was. If you look over here... But I don't think that's good enough volumes million. for for people to be trading yet. No, I don't think so either. Money. It is a smaller end of the market, so it is a little bit more high risk, but it's looking good at the moment. Mm. Uh, I didn't want to finish on probably... a sort of an argument for the year, but it looks like we're going to. Why not? I, 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 I seriously, <laughs> if COVID hadn't been around, I would have bought you some pink boxing gloves. <laughs> You've been saying actually, that for ages. I was actually in Rebel Sports the other week looking for pink <laughs> boxing gloves and all I could find was red ones. <laughs> Gee, you really, you know, you bought me a candy cane and I got you a little Santa suit, so you really would have showed me up if you did get the boxing gloves. I was going to, but, you know, hey. I've you got, would have trumped I've me. I've got my ho, 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 <laughs> ready to put my bottle of wine in there and Merry, take it Merry somewhere. Merry, Merry Christmas, yeah. Merry, Merry Christmas. Okay. But anyway, last week we asked you to tell us, for those who have an opinion or have to have an opinion on the Australian stock market, do you believe it will be trading higher all lower than where it is today in the end of the calendar year 2021. Now, you didn't pick a response. Now, I didn't pick a response because most people just said higher. Yeah. Um, and that was, I think, well, I won't say it's a cop-out, but they all said higher. And I agree because Jenny and I have been chatting about <laughs> it um, being higher by the end of next year. And I think actually our market's going to be much better than the US markets next year. Yep. Um, that's my bet is anyway. Now, we've really loved your responses and some fantastic, intelligent responses we've received over time. So we decided to give you a bit of a break from these questions for a couple of weeks. That was the plan for yeah, the, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, but unfortunately, we've come to the end of tonight's show. So it's almost the end of another year. And we hope that um, not only you enjoyed tonight's show, but you've also um, enjoyed all of the past shows that we've delivered to you. And the, but the great content doesn't stop tonight, um, though, as we've got more for you over the next two weeks, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you want to a bit of a sneak peek? Well, we've got a couple of things like unreleased um, interviews that Janine and I have done. So they've got that. So we're going to do a bit of best of some of the best segments of the show over the last year, some of the best questions, but also there's some segments in there that are interviews that Janine and I have done that are not to be missed and you haven't seen them before. So watch out for those. So there'll be three of those over the next three weeks while Janine and I take a bit of a break. Um, and get over our Christmas and New Year festivities um, and then we'll be back next year. And we want to thank you uh, for participating and for all of your feedback this year and really want to congratulate those who made the decision to invest in themselves and get a good education in the stock market. 
Remember, if you need any support and you've got questions about your about any of our courses, then don't let your questions go unanswered. You can call our office on 1300 858 272 or email us at info at wealthwithin.com.au. We look forward to hearing mm -hmm. from you. Now remember to hit the subscribe button now and like the video because Janine will love you. And also remember to share the video of tonight's show on your social media with your friends and colleagues to help keep them informed. Because as we know, the more people watch, the more we can do, the more interesting and informative topics we can bring you. And be sure to put this show on your calendar as we'll be right back here on YouTube live every Tuesday, 7 p.m. to 7 to 8 p.m. commencing on January the 5th. So the live show will be back on January 5th. And we've got some surprises for that as well. Uh, however, we thought you might miss us over the festive season. So again, we have prepared some, prepared some special content for you. But over you didn't the tell break. them about the the, the um, chat about the top stocks, did it's, you? It's no. Well, that, that's Was surprise. That a Just watch our YouTube channel. Just keep watching for some surprises. If you would like to have your questions answered on the show, either send your question in an email to info at wealth as I was saying before. Um, you can type the subject. Wealth Within Live in the subject line that'll really stand out for the girls when they're looking for your emails. And you must do that by 3 p.m. on a Tuesday to get into that night's show. And if you've got a topic that you would like us to discuss in 2021, and I've already had some people make some suggestions for some great topics, then make sure that you get those emails into us so that we can do that um, for you. As always, thank you for joining us and we hope you have a safe and happy holiday season and we really look forward to you seeing, seeing us seeing you again in 2021. So Merry Christmas, everybody. But for now, goodbye, good luck and good trading. Bye for now. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com dot au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.